0: This is Todd Stacy
1: and Mary Sell
0: and welcome to In the Weeds with Alabama Daily News and I guess we're not going to introduce him as a guest, not he's, not yes. a guest. he's our newest member of the team uh, Alexander Willis Alabama Daily News government and politics reporter joins us on the podcast we've been really waiting to have you on Alex but welcome and um, you've been on the job what three or four months I- can you kind of introduce yourself and and say how it's
2: going? Absolutely. So yeah, I've I've been working for you, fine fellows, since February, uh, covering the state legislature, the governor's office, and uh, it is good to finally be on the podcast. And uh, it's been a busy couple months. The legislature has moved a lot of bills. They've covered a lot of ground. Uh, There's been a lot of heated debates. Uh, We have some pretty unprecedented things that have already come through. Uh, you got the grocery tax bill, which that's been around for years, at least efforts to get that, the grocery tax cut through. And finally, there's some ground moving on that. Uh, you have some huge budgets, record-breaking budgets that have been passed, some surpluses. So all that to say, a whole bunch of stuff. It's an uh, interesting time to jump on board the Alabama Daily News team, but fun nonetheless.
0: Yeah, well, I got to say, I've been impressed at how quickly you have acclimated. I mean, because it's a new state. I know you covered Tennessee previous Mm -hmm. to this. And so anytime you're jumping into a brand new government, brand new state with different processes and all that, but you seem to have just really taken to it. And so, you know, congrats on that. I'm sure maybe you're making it look
2: easier than it is. (laughs) Well those are high praises but uh, it it has been a lot of fun and, and as you said there every state uh, operates differently certainly here in Alabama the uh, concept of having separate budgets for education that that mm-hmm. is uh I don't know if that's wholly unique to Alabama but it's certainly uh different than Tennessee but nonetheless uh, it's been a lot of fun the uh, legislature uh, has been a uh, as I said, moving move a lot of ground, and uh, it's it's been an exciting process to join the team.
1: Yeah, you, you started right right as session kicked off, so it, it's uh, kind of sink or swim. But we're really glad to have you, Alex.
2: And I'm glad to be here. I appreciate it. Well, Mary, where are we? What are we?
0: <laughs> it's, it's been it's, it's been quite a week in the legislature. Um, it, this, one where do we was, start?
1: this one was uh, another three day week where we're. Taking the days off. That was uh, day 16, 17, and 18. And it just, there, were, there was a lot going on. Um, I guess I started reading stories from Monday. And like Monday stories seem like three years ago at this <laughs> point. But um, well, let's start with the, the education budget uh, and the supplemental. Those cleared the Senate on Thursday. Uh, record-breaking amount of money in the education budget for next year but also that supplemental that is still i mean I, and we've we've talked about it a lot but that still kind of boggles my mind every time we think about 2.8 billion dollars in mm. unexpected additional revenue to to dole out and that was a big part of the conversation on thursday in the senate uh how how to spend that money and the proposal that passed the senate does look quite a bit different than what governor ivey recommended to to the lawmakers back in March and we knew it would and you know her office said this is a proposal. Um one of the biggest things that will most taxpayers will will know is the the size of the rebate check mm-hmm. uh, changed significantly. Uh, so you know. Yeah,
0: I was struck by how little the actual budget changed. So the, the right. education budget eight point eight billion dollars um you know k through 12 higher ed community colleges all that i mean there were some slight revisions um the the biggest one being taking uh, 25 million dollars away from the um rural broadband grants i think Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. they're getting a lot of arpa money but the budget largely stayed the same it was the supplemental that changed pretty sub- substantially you're right Mary um, you know when it came out it's like okay that rebate went from almost a billion dollars down to 275 million dollars <laughs> meaning what was proposed as a you know $400 check or a $800 check depending on if you're single or filing jointly right? Um, down to a $100 check right. and that's, that's just a big difference and um, and as chairman author or explained they're they're what they're doing with that money they're not just you know taking away the rebate they're taking that money and putting it into a essentially an education savings account because he's pretty worried about economic uncertainty in the future mm-hmm. of a possible reset uh, recession so right. that's a huge difference plus you know other other pots of money to, to, so the budget stayed the same Supplemental changed pretty dramatically.
1: Right, right, and you know there are a few lawmakers on the Senate floor. Uh, you know, Bobby Singleton, Senator Singleton, was you know kind of saying, "Well, what, what's the point? What is one hundred and five dollars going to do for anybody?" Um,
2: yeah, at at this point, when you, when you think it reaches the House, do you think they would even? uh it it sounds like such a drastic change would not just flow through the House uncontested.
0: I agree. I, I I would not be surprised to see the House just zero it out and, and do some other... I mean, there's been so much talk about the rebate since, I don't know, last year. We've, right. we've been talking about this really ever since Mary was the first one to report on these tax receipts coming in and then you know talk of, okay, we're going to send it back to the taxpayers via a, a rebate. So there's been mm-hmm. kind of this built up expectation that, okay, we're all going to get some money back. Right. Um, and $400 is nothing to sneeze at 800, but a hundred, I don't know. It's <laughs> right you get that in the
1: mail. And you're like, what is this? And, right, you know, hundred dollars is dinner out or, you know, and for some folks that's, you know, a week's worth of groceries. It's something, but it's if there's an expectation
0: but, that you're getting right. more and, and then you don't. Right. That, at at this point, are they problem.
1: better off just passing some significant tax cuts and, Wrapping that up pretty and saying this is what we're doing for you, Alabama.
0: Um, to to me, yeah, and I, that's why I wouldn't be surprised to see it change in the House, especially considering you know the grocery tax situation. And and Arthur, or uh, you know, admonished me to, <laughs> saying, "Look, these are okay. apples and oranges; they're not the same uh, grocery tax and tax rebate are not the right. same." And I get that, but right. the voters don't really see it that way. They right. they, they see tax relief as tax relief right and a one time 100 dollar check yeah i i just don't know if that's going to win st- a lot of people some points
2: yeah it it still bears a, a considerable cost you know to the state's budget but as far as the payoff is it worth it and, and i really i expect uh the alabama house to to either up that number or reject it entirely because yeah as it's you should see yeah well and i guess that's a good
0: transition into the grocery tax situation mm-hmm. because you know that has changed or uh, just evolved um going from well i guess we didn't really know where it was but um the the prevailing proposal now is a not a not a Elimination of the grocery tax, right. but a basically cutting it in half over three or four years. Over four years, with, yeah, with it some
1: guardrails as well. Yeah, the, right. the current proposal would knock off 0.5 percent every year for four years, as long as the ETF receipts overall continue to grow by at least two percent every year. So, could I, I ask
2: what what did you two make of this? I've as I you know, described earlier in the program, I've just been here for a couple months covering mm-hmm. the state legislature, but this has been an ongoing effort for what has it been almost 10 years or if not but, more, I mean, it's been 20. a
1: discussion for, for a long, long time. Yeah. For a
2: long time.
1: I'm, I'm honestly, at the beginning of the session, I didn't think anything would happen. So I'm, I'm, this is, this is more than I expected. Um, this gets folks. I mean, it, it would be relief for for some people. I think Alabama Arise says that you know the average family spends six hundred dollars a year on on state grocery tax. So if we have that, that's you know three hundred dollars. That's some relief for folks. Um, it gets Republicans. Um, you know, uh, they can say that they they did it. They did something. Um, it's not what. It's not everything that supporters wanted for sure but it's also a starting point and i think uh senator jones who's carrying the bill in the senate he said you know there there needs to be some further discussion maybe a a task force to look at what more they could do in the future um it's something it's not everything
0: yeah and and alex explaining a little bit of the history of it this was um a proposal going back 20 years ago John Knight, who was the state representative for Montgomery. He was also the general fund budget chair in the house, meaning his budget, the general fund wasn't touched by any reduction in sales taxes. So it was, a, you know, it, he liked it. And a lot of the Democrats liked it. Certainly Alabama arise. Um, but it, it was, I mean, you got to remember Democrats mm-hmm. had a super majority in the legislature up right. until 2010. And so, the, you know, Going back to two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, they could have passed it easily. Um, and you know, what, what governor would not have signed that, but the problem has always been if you if you reduce the sales tax, any kind of sales tax, right? That is a reduction of revenue into the education trust fund. And it is
2: it generates uh, five hundred million annually uh for yeah. the ETF, the education trust fund, which right, that's that's a significant number. And so uh, the way the state used to work is
0: the Alabama Education Association, the teachers' union, had just almost total control over things like that, and you you just could you, you do not touch education revenue, um, and especially when the Democrats were in charge, that it just they weren't, weren't going to do it. The closest they got was um, including a revenue replacement, essentially um, ending the federal tax deduction that we enjoy here in alabama and um and and making up that revenue so they Mm -hmm. got close that year but they still didn't get it and so i I actually i give senator jones a lot of credit because i think if he hadn't brought the idea up he he proposed it last year kind of late in the session it was just sort of a trial balloon sure but he but he's serious about it this year and and i think you know when republicans are looking around like we okay we want tax relief we want you know, they're talking about a rebate. They're talking about this other kinds of tax relief. They, they see this and say, wow, this is actually a pretty good idea. Sure, It's, it's doable. And, you know, of course, it's not as big as Arise wants and, and a lot of people want. But it. so they're kind of doing what Democrats used to do. You know, if, if, a, if some Republican would, would propose something, OK, well, look, we're going to take that. It's now our idea. Um, but, but I give <laughs> Senator Jones a lot of credit because. I don't. If he hadn't have come out and, and really been serious about this,
2: I'm not sure we'd even be it, talking it would about happen. it right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a it's a broad tax cut that is not means tested, meaning it it applies to nearly every Alabamian. Uh, I don't know if there's an Alabamian out there that doesn't purchase groceries, but this will affect basically every citizen of the state, and. Yeah. You know, you take that into consideration. Uh, I I think it it will certainly be a uh, a, a benefit politically to uh, any folks that hop on board. And as it looks right now, to to have uh, what is surprising uh, general support, bipartisan support. It really looks like it'll happen. Yep, we'll see.
0: It's actually not accounted for in the budget. Um, again, those revenue guardrails that Mary mentioned, but, uh, and neither is accounted in the budget. This overtime tax cut, um, mm-hmm. tax elimination, uh, that Anthony Daniels, uh, minority leader, Anthony Daniels has passed.
2: Um, I've heard some interesting, uh, rebuttals to concerns over, uh, tax cuts, such as the grocery tax and the overtime, uh, Tax cut, which oh yeah, what have you heard? Uh, well, I'm sure you've heard these as well, and and I'd, I'd certainly like to get into more detail on the overtime tax cut uh, following this point. But uh, I hear a lot of folks, specifically uh, a lot of certainly House Minority Leader Anthony Daniels has made this point that with these tax cuts, though there are concerns of the budget shortfalls that will happen uh, due to them going into the education trust fund or the general fund budget. Generally speaking, folks like Daniels and others have made the point that when Alabamians have more money in their pocket, it is generally going to be spent. Uh, I don't have studies in front of me, but there are significant... other ways, yeah. Right. uh, Which, ultimately, if they're spending this money, it's going to be taxed. And it, at least proponents of this argument, argue that it will more or less return to their respective uh you know state coffers whether it be the education fund or the general state general fund mm-hmm. so, it, so it pays for itself it, basically those are the arguments it will be interesting to see if uh if these ultimately get passed into law and move forward uh I, there will be hard data that folks can look at and uh you know we, we can see if that argument holds up to the test if if we go forward a year after some of these are put into law, if they are put into law and the, uh, the hit to either of the state's budgets, the general fund or the education fund budget. Uh, if, if those are basically un, unaffected, then, uh, you know, those, those proponents of that argument will, will be proven right, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll be interesting to see.
0: Well, Mary, I was, we were going to transition to this, um, well, I was hoping to ask Alex about this um, situation with Representative Gavan. So, yes, <laughs> we—I wasn't in the House that day, um, or at least I wasn't that moment um, where you know Representative Pascal has his parental rights bill on the floor. Um, Democrats were just lining up to <laughs> to give him the business over it. I mean, they they clearly don't like him and uh, have a lot of beef there but alex you were there and actually captured the video from this you know she was quoting song lyrics sure uh didn't say the n-word i guess replaced it with you know one but pretty you know um spicy reference um to a you know sure black guy a black republican you know almost kind of like this i don't know is it it could absolutely be perceived as racist, as offensive. I think he certainly took it that way. But you were there on the floor, so kind of describe what happened.
2: Yeah, so uh, th- there's certainly significant context uh, to that incident. Uh, so that, as as you described, that happened on Tuesday during a House session. Representative Kenneth Pascal, he is the uh, only black member of the Repu- excuse me Republican caucus, in the Alabama State House, I want to say the entire legislature, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not, I'm unsure on that. Yep. But regardless, uh, he had a bill that would enshrine parental rights into the Alabama State Constitution. Uh, it, It basically took some rulings by the US and the Alabama Supreme Court and enshrined them into the Constitution. And those, those rights being, they were kind of general, just uh, cementing that parents have the right to teach their children uh, as they so choose and uh so so representative pascal uh, he has been he's not exactly looked upon favorably by uh, some some members of the uh, democratic house and so a lot of democratic lawmakers uh, took the opportunity to speak on his bill when it was up for a vote one of them, of course, was Representative Gavan of uh, Birmingham. And so during her comments, uh, she started to recite the lyrics of the 2017 song, The Story of O.J., which is a, a song by Jay-Z, and it references a supposed quote by O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but the quote is something along the lines of, I'm not black, I'm O.J. Yeah. And so... The song, it's not just in response to that comment, but it's that comment, at least in the context of the song, exemplifies the idea that some people believe that their wealth or their social status can transcend their racial identity, with the sort of theme of the song being, no, that is not the case. Your racial identity will always be with you. So... So that's what she was
0: saying. You, when when you wake up, you're still black. When you go to sleep, you're still black, and all, and all that.
2: Big. Exactly. Obviously, in the song, it does not use the word black. It right. uses a uh, racial slur, uh, but she replaced that word with the word one, and basically recited the chorus directed towards Representative Pascal. Yeah. Now, the context of this is important. Uh, Representative Pascal, along with all or a majority of House Republicans, uh, they've supported a series of election integrity bills. Uh, They've been described by Republicans as election integrity bills. Democrats who who have criticized these bills, they would call them voter suppression bills, or at least a a decent number of them would. Particularly Um, the House Bill 209, the the absentee, yeah. Yes, And, and just to give context, House Bill 209, which just passed... Thursday in the House, uh, it would make it a felony uh, for an individual to request, obtain, or otherwise collect an absentee ballot on behalf of another person. It would be a Class D felony. However, let me give an example. Let's say you have a, a grandmother who's disabled or she's blind. She asks her son to go pick her up an absentee ballot. Well, in that scenario, if the son were to oblige, the grandmother would be charged with a, gla- a class D felony. Mm-hmm. Now, if that grandmother said, hey, son, or hey, grandson, whoever, I'm going to pay you five, ba- five bucks for gas money, that would elevate the charge to a class B felony. And so th- this bill received considerable opposition uh, from House Democrats. It-, it did pass. It was exactly along party lines. Uh, Republicans argue it's it's just a, an extra security measure uh, to, you know, lessen the amount of voter fraud, uh, just basically requiring people handle absentee ballots themselves. Uh, but regardless, uh, Representative Pascal was, at this point, this was Tuesday, so the bill had not gone up to vote yet, but he has voted you know, in favor of the past election integrity bills, mm-hmm. and and he did ultimately vote in favor of House Bill two hundred nine. So, in that context, her reciting the song, which right referencing the N word, is it appropriate for that uh, type of environment? Probably not, uh, and I think most people would probably say that. But at least uh, the context, yeah, it uh, it,
0: it, it they see it this. Yeah, they Democrats see this as a voter suppression tool. You know, you know, try. You know, Republicans are trying to get at the idea of ballot harvesting, right? Which I mean, I'm sure goes on. There, this is kind of a remnant of the 2020 election. But um, the Democrats are are saying, like, this is no, this is um, really affecting black people, and and they would characterize
2: it they would characterize it as voter suppression. And, and if you know anything about Alabama history, especially with the black community, uh, voter suppression has been a, a very powerful tool in suppressing the black vote. So in that context, uh, it, I guess that's all to say that Representative Gavan's comments, they were not inappropriate just for inappropriate sake. Given all the context of the state's history, uh, Representative Pascal uh, being the only black member of the uh Republican party yeah. in the house that that is the context of her comments whether it's mm-hmm. appropriate or not you know a bunch of people would say a bunch of different things most would probably say not but i do feel the context is important
1: yeah, it is yeah. and so you, you get a yeah.
2: love of awkwardness of Three white people
0: ta- talking, talking about racial <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's like a, you know calling him an Uncle Tom basically, and and I I understand why he, he takes offense to that. But Mary, I mean, just so, her history. Representative Gavan, I mean, right? Never shot away from some. She has never shot away. This remark. is
1: this is not the first time. So so that happened Tuesday, and then correct um, Alex. If if people want to see the video, because it is it's a pretty tense moment. Um, we've got, you took video of it, it's linked to our story on the website. Um, and then, so that started getting circulated. Some other, uh, media was reporting on it. So Thursday evening, John wall from the chairman of the Alabama Republican party sent out a statement, um, basically calling on our representative Gavan to apologize. Right. Um, and then she quickly came out with her own statement saying that no, she should be the one who has apologized to. Um, and but but yeah, to Todd's point, this is not the first time that that I mean, she does not shy away from controversy.
0: Mary, do uh, you see any kind of repercussions like do you see.
1: Uh, you know, the we looked speaker. up the rules. Yeah, I, I mean, there are some pretty clear house rules on decorum and how you speak to your fellow members. I, I think if the speaker wanted to, there there could be some repercussions. Uh, we have not gotten comments so far from the speaker. Um, it seems like if they were going to, it, it would have happened by now is my take. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, um, it, this... and
0: if you watch the video, it's interesting because so the speaker wasn't in the chamber. He was on right. this border trip. So, so Chris Pr- Chris Pringle, who is the speaker pro tem, was presiding. Right. And, but, but I, you know, it almost seemed like nobody was really paying attention. Nobody
1: Alex, was paying like attention. You nobody it, got it. I mean, it, it,
2: right. So, so at this point, Democrats have uh, just about every house Democrat had a, you know, you hit the little light at your desk if you, to signify that you'd like to speak on a bill. Nearly every House Democrat had, so it, it had been a long time on this particular bill. I, I think minimum of an hour and a half, something like that. Yes, yeah, so he kind of uh,
0: tune it out at a certain point.
2: Sure. If if uh, I, I don't want to say as fact, but you know, just watching it in person, uh, it it did look like uh, uh, Representative Pringle, who was presiding over the House as Speaker in uh, Ledbetter's absence. Uh, I, I don't think he caught it. Or at the very least, I certainly don't think he understood the context right. at that moment of uh, what was <laughs> being said. He's not up on
1: his Jay Z lyrics.
2: Yeah, you right. know, I'd, I'd go out on a limb and say uh, <laughs> maybe could not name right. every Jay Z album, but who knows? But yeah,
1: and yeah, um, Representative Gavan, like we were saying, she she has you. Know, been at the center of some controversy yes, previously. she's been reprimanded
0: before i think she was removed from the chamber one time
1: well in 2019 there was a, a heated debate and at one point she said uh to this then speaker mccutcheon you know, that she was not going to stay on the plantation uh she ended up leaving the chamber shortly after that before she could basically be removed um, she ended up apologizing for that i believe uh, but i no, don't think now mary
2: was- do, do you uh, remember what that was, uh, what she was saying that in response to?
1: I, I don't remember the, the, what that bill, mm-hmm. I, I don't but, remember. But clearly a,
2: a heated debate. Or a heated disagreement debate is, at the very least. a fair yeah. statement, yeah. 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 But so. it, it,
0: in terms of like repercussions, like, you know, if they try to enforce the house rules about decorum and all that, I mean, if you went letter of the law, kind of, you could probably make a case, but there's a, there's, plenty of political reason not just just to let it go and right Mm -hmm. just move on because look at tennessee like it's not Mm -hmm. the same situation obviously but that's a very good point if let's just say they reprimanded her in some way it immediately becomes a national story it blows up the session um so I, i i totally would understand if the speaker and just house leadership's like look it's a, it's a two day story, let it go and, and, and move on. Um, because if, if they do, then, it, you know, again, not exactly like Tennessee, but it, it, it can right. be very similar. And, um, I don't think anybody in leadership wants that.
1: Right. And uh, I mean, in, in her statement last night, you know, Representative Gavan has made it clear; she's not she's not going to back down from this. So I think everybody just kind of wants to put their heads down, get through the next twelve legislative days, pass the budgets, pass a few other things. They're they're looking to June and getting out of here.
2: Yeah, Todd, I, I do think that's a very good point. And just as a thirty second contextualization uh, in Tennessee, uh, Representative Justin Jones. He, he had uh, organized a rally against gun violence, advocating for gun legislation after the Nashville school shooting. And it was somewhat disruptive to the legislative proceedings. The legislature voted to oust him. He was reinstated by the Nashville city council. And since then it had become a, it has become a, a national story. Justin Jones has been speaking all across the country and, uh, to your point, uh, to fire back on Representative Gavins' comments and, you know, really lay down the law, uh, I think to your point, uh, maybe not exactly the same situation, but uh, could very much result in at least yeah. something in the same ballpark. So. And I, I'm I'm pretty confident that if the Tennessee Speaker and all them had
0: it to do over again they, they probably yep. wouldn't but so would that's, that's that's the only point well let's uh let's move on to this other issue of education and specifically the uh ch- this, this issue of school choice and the price act um this mm-hmm. is education savings accounts uh a bill to create education savings accounts it is it has come from um i would say you know right-leaning activists the eagle forum mm-hmm. uh, alabama policy institute Republican Party, um, and so it's not exactly taken off. Um, and Mary, mm-hmm. I know you follow education issues pretty closely. Um, if it, it just doesn't seem like it has the same juice as other education reform plans have in previous years. I'm curious if you have kind yeah, of figure out a reason it, why.
1: Well, you're right. It doesn't doesn't have the same same broad support or doesn't have some of the same excitement behind it as, as other bills. Um, It came up last week, actually, there was a public hearing in the Senate education policy committee that had a public hearing. Um, And then at the end of that meeting, uh, chairman Justine said they, they weren't going to vote. Well, he, he told folks in advance, they weren't going to vote, but then he moved to, to say that he thought the bill should be, Uh, referred to the Budget Committee Mm -hmm. and Senator Stutz, Senator Larry Stutz from Tuscumbia, who's carrying the bill, called that a stall tactic. Um, And he was pretty upset about that. But so we have not seen a vote. We haven't seen a vote anywhere on this bill yet. There was a public hearing in the House Education Policy Committee that Alex covered uh, on Wednesday, no vote there, and, and that's that's par for course for Representative Collins. She she mm-hmm. never has she never has votes the day she has a public hearing, uh, but but so far the the those bills have not moved. I think what, what we've heard from the beginning from some of the Republican leadership is that they'd rather concentrate on expanding some of the school choice options they have now. And another big part of this, I think, some of the hesitation about this particular bill is there's no accountability. Um, parents would get almost seven thousand dollars per year to spend as they see fit, but there's no testing. Whether you're going to a private school with that money or a homeschool, there is no annual testing like the public schools have to do. And and we've heard several in leadership say, you know, we want to we want to give people choice. But we also want to advance education. And we can't do that unless we know what kids are learning and how they are learning. So I I think until that changes, there's going to have to be some give on that. And that's where Del Marsh's bill fell apart last year, the accountability. Like, I think these these groups, they're they if they're going to take state money, there's unless something significant changes, they're, they're going to have to accept some sort of testing, some sort of accountability for this to move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the MO, when it comes to education for most of these lawmakers uh, that have been engaged on this issue, I'm thinking of the ones that were engaged on the Literacy Act, the Numeracy Act, some of these efforts to get us off the bottom, right? you know, and there's been some progress, but the whole point is, you know, whether it's investments, whether it's choice, the whole point is we need to, to move the needle. Uh, move the needle. Get kids, mm-hmm. you know, better prepared. Get them more proficient. Graduating, all that kind of stuff, and simply allow and simply just sending them to private school um, with with no, you know, knowledge Staying of are, school, they, are they are they stay home? Yeah.
1: What does that
0: or homeschool? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and the other argument I hear. Because I, I get it from the, the from the choice side. Like, look, this is our tax dollars. We should be able to spend it how we want, and we cho- we'd like to, you know, send our kid to private school or uh, a different school or homeschool. I get it from a mm-hmm. fundamental, like ideological point. Sure. Right. Um, I think where they lose folks also, especially in the education establishment, is it's it's a lot of just existing private school students and existing homeschool students so like it's not a that just really amounts to a tax break right right? is you're just okay I thank you for this money that i'm already you know it it helps me you know subsidize what i'm already doing and i think when it comes to education policy the um, leaders in the state house are more interested in helping current students who are in current struggling schools right um and i and i don't think they're convinced that this is the ticket out of there um and so i think that's a really important point that they don't really say that out loud uh, um because they don't want to be on the wrong side of school choice but i, right. I hear that a lot kind of on background
1: yeah i mean if if this is just going to help the kids that are already going to private school going to help Then the it's people. essentially
2: a tax cut
1: right sure and, and, I mean, and I we get i'm sorry go ahead
2: Oh, no. I I was just going to say, when you say tax cut, Todd, uh, a fiscal report attached to this bill, the Price Act, uh, once fully phased in, which it has a three-year phase-in period, uh, this would cost an estimated $697 million, uh, and that would be in appropriations taken from the Education Trust Fund, which is what currently funds Alabama's public schools. So, right, when you say tax cut, these aren't peanuts here. This is a, yeah. a pretty significant dollar amount, and especially when a bill, you know, of this magnitude is introduced, you know, what are we now? Halfway into the session, uh, just ballparking it, it it'll be a tough battle. I understand the proponents, I understand the opponents, but uh, I think it would be I would yeah. be very surprised if they, this were to. Me uh, too, and I, I, I think it.
0: they'll come back. I think um, education savings accounts will come back in some all form. Right. Obviously, they've passed in a lot of other states, Arizona, Iowa, Florida, mm-hmm. but all of those states have ha- have included some accountability measures, and some of them have, been, have also had means testing. And I think if you had something like that, if it was targeted toward students that currently are in bad situations, then a lot more people would – be you know, uh, it would be more appealing to rank and file Republicans. But if it's just, I'm currently sending my kid to a private school, and now I get money from the state to do that. I I, I don't I don't think that just kind of upends a lot of. If if they really targeted it, I think it might be um, more appealing. And on the other side of that, and to your point, Mary, about existing choice options, that basically is the Accountability Act. Right. If you if you just expand mm. the Accountability Act, which is targeted toward those students in struggling schools, I'm so to, that's yeah. I think that's one reason why the lawmakers are like, well, let's just do this because the whole point is helping get kids out of bad situations, not just helping people go to private school.
1: Yeah. So um, I haven't seen the the agendas for 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 next week. We'll see if if that comes up for a vote, but I mean, there, and there are, I mean, people are working the halls on this. Definitely. There's definitely a grassroots effort um, that we haven't seen before. Um, so I know lawmakers are hearing about this, but I, I also think that, you know, the core group of Republicans are kind of staying strong on what, what they will accept. And I, I well, yeah, and,
0: and you know, where was, I think it's on, um, Some groups radar now like American Federation for Children, they kind of put Mm. it on their newsletter Um, where, you know, but but where were they? Why weren't they at the press conference? Where was, um, you know, Excellence in Education, uh, Bush's group, some of these um, kind of mainstream education reform groups? They're all about school choice. Right. You know, instead, it was Eagle Forum and an API. And so I I just I just don't see that sort of circling the wagons of those education reform groups. And I think that sort of is a red flag for a, for a lot of lawmakers. Um, well, Hey, we only have a little bit of time left and I, and I know we've all got to do our jobs. And, um, but I wanted to talk about the, the breaking news from Mary Cell on <laughs> um, this new state house situation. <laughs> right. Cause um, we, I mean, we've been talking about it quite a bit, and right. we know everybody wants to do it, but it's sort of this politically fraught thing, and so they're they're just kind of tiptoeing along with processes. And right. they, they took a big step um, this week, Mary.
1: Yeah. So there was a there's a bill in the Senate passed the Senate with very little discussion <laughs> on Tuesday, um, and it it would make several legislative changes, but within that bill. It would give the legislature, the legislative council, basically the legislature, um, control over that city block of property that is now our parking lot. Um, And that would be, and there's a billion dominoes that need to fall into place between now and then, but that could be the site of a new Alabama state house. Um, and we, we reported um, last fall that the Legislative Council had, had come to an agreement with RSA to explore the possibility of a new state house that RSA would build. Um, RSA last week put out requests for proposals to architects. Um, and again, a lot of things have to happen. Um, but this is the first substantial actual steps Towards mm-hmm. a new state house, um, and hurrah! Hurrah! Right. Uh, you know, I I really and I've said this before. I I really do try to be unbiased on issues and what we cover, <laughs> but I am a hundred percent team new state house.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, <laughs> we we work here, and
1: well, we it and to me though it's a public issue, and you guys have seen it too. How many times it, have you seen members of the public, school groups? different groups turned away from committee meetings because we live in a building that was never meant to be the state house.
0: Sure. Alex, I'm curious from your perspective, cause you came here kind of blind mm-hmm. um, and haven't as worked in state how, houses. <laughs> <how> the state <laughs> what, house what compares.
2: <laughs> yeah. now, you know, the, uh, a lot of the state legislature in Tennessee also operates outside of the state Capitol and in, in what amounts to an office building k- kind of similar to Alabama uh but yes i i will say uh from what i will pretend to be my unbiased opinion <laughs> that we we probably should get a new state house and now mary you said that this would uh they identified the parking lot as mm-hmm. a potential location what is this the parking lot immediately adjacent to the existing state house
1: yeah you're going to need to find a new place to park
2: it's behind it the, it's, it's, it's the one yeah. behind yeah yes.
0: okay and I, so and that's a good question because i think we've all sort of assumed that the parking lot next door to the state house which is behind the capitol would kind of make the most sense just in terms of i don't know aesthetic mm-hmm. but that that plot of land is pretty problematic when it comes to engineering it flood it's got really bad flooding problems the tunnel from the state house to the capitol makes that a problem also mm-hmm. And, um, I think it would be an engineering challenge, um, more challenging than, you know, catty corner to that, this other parking lot that is uphill and doesn't have those same kind of issues, but yeah, and it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I, um, back during the first pandemic relief funds, I guess that was the. Was that CARES Act?
1: CARES Act 2020. Yeah.
0: 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, CARES Act passed, and we got a hold of the first draft of what some of the legis- some of the top lawmakers were wanting to spend that money on. And at the top of the list was a new state house. And I can't remember the the line item. It obviously you you couldn't even do that. Based on the law, like he would have been against the rules anyway. I don't but think it they was knew like kind that of on at the, the, the list. time.
1: Like I, I feel like the lawmakers got burnt on this one
0: because. Well, that, that's I, what I'm saying. Is yeah. I'm the one that burned them. <laughs> I, I, I reported on it, and and then um, Scott Stannis drew a cartoon kind oh, of lampooning uh, Del Marsh. Senator Del Marsh, and I, I've always felt bad about that because now look it was inappropriate to put in a pandemic relief package, right? That never would have flown. Um, yeah. But they so were I just kind of so
1: spitballing that, ideas. Yeah, that was uh, fair.
0: But I think I, I I felt bad for the cartoon. I, I, thought, I felt it went a little too far. And uh, it, you know, I ran into Del Marsh after that. And he's just like, Looked like he's just getting beat up. And yeah. like, well,
1: and that you know, is so. That. So I am sure that that lawmakers would prefer that I shut up about <laughs> <laughs> about this story because they they want to get you know some plans established before they they start talking about this. And and what is new is that it sounds like RSA would finance this building, and then right. the legislature would either rent it from RSA or take over the bond.
0: Yeah, it's not like um, they're going to vote on a you know, $100 million yeah. line item or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be
1: way more than $100 million. But um, I, I think.
0: Hopefully. Well,
1: well it was $200 million in in their wish list. But but I say all that to say, you know, lawmakers are very concerned about looking like they're going to spend a ton of money on themselves. And, you know, they should be. And I, I get that. But I will argue that this is, it's the public's building. There is staff that spends a whole lot more time in that building year round than the lawmakers do. And the bar- it, the building's embarrassing. It's yeah. The and is and, and funny. you're right about
0: the public access. It's yeah, just...
1: there's nowhere for people to meet. There's it's not a welcoming building. Um, the elevators. Some of those elevators are getting wonky. <laughs> like, yeah. It's
0: just yeah. It's there's just, a lot of reasons. Just... But yeah,
1: it's a political mm. hot potato that lawmakers don't want to. And
0: with. I just don't think mm. it's that big a deal. Like mm-hmm. I think. I just don't buy the argument that like, oh, my voters are going to really hate this. Like, yeah, you'll, you'll probably hear from a couple of them. That, I that, that think, read...
1: yeah. I um, think I'm looking just... down the road, you could see a case where people, you know, there's pictures of this new shiny building and then cruddy schools or something like yeah, that. I, I, well, I'll, I'll say it's way it's, down the road. Yeah, I, I think
2: it's a, a healthy concern. And I'm glad that this exists, that legislators are tiptoeing around the idea of allocating any taxpayer dollars towards anything that would benefit themselves e- even yeah. a new building uh i'm I'm glad that that concern exists and I think it's a healthy mm-hmm. concern but I will yeah say, to, yeah to, to, to your point Todd I, I do think were they to you know rip the band aid off and go forward with a new state house would they take a political hit you know maybe for a month there'd be some comments but I really don't think it would be substantial enough to warrant putting it off for another, you know, X amount of years. Yeah, I agree. And what everybody's remembering
0: is 2006, or I guess it was 2007, early 2007, the legislature had just been reelected to a term. So one of their first votes out of the gate was voting themselves a pay raise. (laughs) and it was immediate and you know in fairness legislative pay was just grotesquely low um, but they voted themselves a pay raise and it went into effect immediately and so democrats were in charge then and that they they were figuring okay this is the beginning of a term this will go away by 2010 during the next election and it didn't so many of the campaigns were Pointing you know, that out. Yeah, you voted yourself a pay raise. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I wrote an ad of that nature. <laughs> and so um, do, do you recall,
2: Todd, generally what what the pay was? It prior? went from
0: about it it went from about like forty maybe Low less 40s. Like, kind of, yeah, uh, like forty thousand dollars and then and it went up to like sixty sixty-five. Okay. Um so it was significant and it was immediate and, and everybody voted. It, it, like the way Congress has done that in the past. Right. Is that it's for the next Congress. Right. Like, OK, we're going to raise right. pay, but it's not for me. It's for whoever's elected. you yeah. know. And that's but they didn't. They, they immediately benefited from it. And so what the legislature ended up doing when Republicans took over was um, it, it was actually a constitutional amendment that re- repealed that. So they got to say we repealed the pay raise, but they they did a constitutional amendment and based it on median Alabama income. Which mm-hmm. is smart because it's like okay, sure. if the it's it's just median income. If 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 we do a good job and the economy goes up, then we get a pay raise. So
1: and they have that's they've had some mu- substantial pay raise. Yeah, now
2: yeah. Th- th- there's there are two points I I did want to uh, mention regarding that that pay raise. Now obviously I, I'm sure that that was probably a powerful tool uh, weapon to use against incumbent Democrats. Uh, but and Republicans, obvious, there was a sure.
0: there was a Republican in my hometown that got beat over that one issue.
2: Sure, but you know, again, we we do have to remember that that was in the context of the the Tea Party wave that that had a a bunch of different political ideals uh, at the forefront that really swept the entire country surprisingly. Uh, in well, I won't even say surprisingly, just unprecedentedly uh, in that time period of 2010ish or so. Uh, And then second, at least just to play devil's advocate for a moment, uh, the idea of legislators voting themselves a pay raise to go into effect immediately uh, at face value. Yeah, uh, maybe not the best look, but there is at least proponents of measures like that. You know, they they would argue that if you are not getting a sufficient wage as a state uh, legislator, well, then, that basically acts as a filtration mechanism to become a state legislature or legislator. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, it's an, uh, a, it's a deterrent. To, well, well, not only a deterrent, but it 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 basically would uh, arbitrarily have a disproportionate amount of already wealthy people only being able to become one. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, who already have funds on the side. So, ju- just to put the you know, both sides of that. And retired day. people. Yeah, I get it. Sure.
0: But anyway, well, I guess we're, anyway, we're, we look, it looks like we're going to get a new state house within yes. the next four or five years. And that is good news. And um, I, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think the press at least is going to um,
2: harsh on them too bad. Y- yeah. I, I, <laughs> the only thing I, I want to well. see,
1: the only thing I want to see it to, to remain on team new state house is big committee rooms because that 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 has been my point i thought you were going to
0: say improved um media
1: oh i'm getting my own office
0: (laughs) (laughs) improved media offices no
1: bigger committee Uh, rooms so we don't turn people away that
0: and we want to keep our alabama public television state house studio we definitely want to keep that (laughs) well guys i guess that that does it Uh, alex thanks for doing your first in the weeds we hope to have you back Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I,
2: this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me on.
0: All right. Well, that'll do it. Um, please leave us uh, a rating and a review. That really helps our stats and gets more people to uh, listen to the podcast. Also, share it. Share it on Twitter and Facebook, um, and tell people they need to be coming in the weeds with us. Uh, and with that, we'll talk to you next time.